listening to and listening to our uncle's podcast five minutes away on iTunes. We're not 18 yet. We probably shouldn't. It's explosive. Like my sweatshirt. Okay, but just finish this one with me. I didn't want to hear that one. Okay. Hey, everybody. We're back with another edition of Five Minutes Away Podcast. I am here with the author, Linda Gross, of the book that we are going to be talking about today, um, How to Master Women, I believe is the title. It is, yes. Yes, okay. And your pen name is DT? Yes. DT Linda Gross. Say what's up to the people, Linda Gross. What's up? <laughs> DT yeah. is short for dating tips, actually dating tips for men, which used to be the name of my column that I used to write every day. So I strayed away from that, and then now I'm just writing books and going on the talk circuit to promote the books. That's awesome. Now, listeners, as you know, I always share a story with you uh, before we even get started on how I found my guests. And so uh, one day uh, I was getting ready to, you know, I was in a creative space and I was just, you know, searching through Twitter, looking through my timeline. And it was right around the time the the Donald Sterling tape leaked. And a friend of mine who's on my Twitter uh, happened to retweet something that you said, which um, showed up in my timeline. So I'm just looking through my timeline and somebody retweeted you. And I was like, hold on. And I clicked on your uh, Twitter profile. And then I found out more about you. And then I found out about this book. Now, what fascinated me about your book is that just was the whole premise behind it. Because me, personally, my listeners already know that I'm I'm a teacher. I work in a profession that is dominated by women. And so that that was the first thing that drawn me to you in your book was what fascinated me was that. And from this is the first time I've ever seen a book like this that supports a, a, a premise like yours that's written by a woman. So what I want to know is for our first question for the listeners, you describe yourself as a, a men's advocate for men being men. What yes. inspired you to, to write this book, Men Mastering Women? Yeah, um, the the subtitle is called um, The Definitive Guide to Understanding and Being Effective with Women. And the reason why I'm writing this book is because I think a lot of men, especially young men, have lost their way. The reason why they have lost their way is because we now have um, the first and second generation of men who are primarily raised by women. Yeah. Just like you say, the school teachers, the mom, the grandma, the aunt, the dad's not in the picture. There's no male role model. Yeah. Um, you know, our, our parents and our grandparents' day, you know, from women's lib, those women, they started off with a great premise, equal pay for equal work. They couldn't solve that problem. So what they did instead was to beat on men, to bash men because they they were so frustrated that they weren't getting the same amount of pay. And, you know, now we've had, since Women's Live, we've had four generations, I mean, four decades of women who bash men, who feminize men, and, you know, here's my purse and hold it at the mall, and here's my little dog that's, you know, eight inches, a teacup dog, walk, this big grown man is walking that eight-inch dog around the block. You know, all these feminizing behaviors that some men don't 
don't connect the dots. And I'm here to connect the dots so you can be aware of what's going on and nip it in the butt and stand up and be a man. Not take this. Don't be feminized by her. And actually, at the end of the day, biologically speaking, women want a guy who takes a position, takes a stand, takes the lead. I don't care if she's making a giant six-figure salary. I don't care if she's got three degrees. All women, and it cuts across race, religion, creed, color, where you live, geography, doesn't matter. This is something that is biologically inherent in women. They want somebody that's confident and takes the lead. So the women today, I think, are doing anything but that. They're just raising you to be a boy with a penis. They're raising you to be another, you know, another girl. Sorry, I'm sorry, a woman with a penis. Um, they're raising men to be another girl, another girl version of them. And that's not right. Mother Nature is not stupid. If we were meant to be one sex, Mother Nature would have had one sex. There's two sexes for a reason. So I'm all for bringing the other sex back, the male sex back. We need it. Man, I love this. See, this is so awesome. I'm so glad I had you on my show. And I'm glad that we're having this conversation, you know? Yes. Because, uh, you know, I, for me, and this is just a personal thing for me is why I had you on this show more than anything. This is for my listeners, too, but this is a personal thing for myself because I am a man who is raised by women. The, the same the description that you're talking about. I was raised by my grandmother. And I was raised by my mother because my father wasn't around as much and what have you. And, you know, even being a man now, a grown man now, and I consider myself to be what you would call an alpha male, I do take the lead in my relationship. But there's still things in my relationship that I know that are, you know, what I would call just behaviors that are against my nature that have been instilled in me. You know, that I want to get rid of. That's why, the main reason why I had you on my show, too. So this is awesome. I appreciate your your premise and everything behind your book. I'm going to buy the book and read it, too, by the way. So, and listeners, listeners, you do need to support Linda Gross because what she's talking about is 110% real. Thank you. They can easily find it on Google or on Amazon. Uh, Just type in Mastering Women. Linda, and it should be, it should pop right up. And in 90 seconds, they can, you know, download it to their smartphone or tablet or PC or wherever they are. Yes. Now, you you really went into depth with that question, and but we're going to go a little bit more into it with this question mm-hmm. in this segue, specifically the single parent raised man. Now, I don't know if you, like, have a whole subtopic in the book about that, but... You know, you talked about how you interviewed over 20,000 men and which, which led you to this, um, this uh, realization that there is an epidemic of this going on over these generations. So, um, and you said that men are at a great loss on how to interact, let alone master women. So, um, let's see, what can we do to, what's the first thing we can do to liberate us men as you describe in the book 
I think men have to hang out with men. Yeah. So what what would have like turned this whole ship around is if those women live uh, ladies, if they would have taken ownership of the problem, if they would have said, "I chose the wrong man," and ended it with that, not instead what they did was all men are bad. You know, we have to shun all men. So what they should have done back then, if they would have taken ownership of the problem, then they should have brought the boy around, grandpa, uncle, a sports coach, yeah. a religious figure. They still have to have male influence to fully grow into your manhood. You know, the the mom is really good from maybe ages say zero through eight. After that, you know that boy, that young boy needs a male influence. So I would say for the men who are already adults, um, hang out with men, hang out with older men, actually, because the men who are over forty-five and fifty years old, they were raised the right way. They were raised prior to the women's lib. So that's your best uh, choice on how to. You know, make that timeline go faster for you. Hang out with older men, and it could be a mentor. It could be somebody at work. It could be, uh, you know, a you know, religious person or sports coach or like whatever it is. But hang out with men, and uh, some of that will wear off, and some of that you'll be paying attention on how is he acting in this situation and that situation, and that's usually um, a good key. Because look, we've done it for ten thousand years this way. Mm -hmm. This last forty forty years is a blip. So I don't want us to all go, you know, into the toilet because of the last forty years. Right. I'm not. This book is not about domination. Okay. Those days are done too. I mean, before women's lib. Okay, so men had ninety percent of the control. Women had ten percent of the control. They had to be barefoot and pregnant because they weren't making the money. Okay, I get it. Women are going to school now. They are making the money now. So this book is not about domination. But that being said, the man has to be at least one percent. That's all it takes. One percent more of a man than she is. One percent, and then it's all good. So. I'm not in favor of domination because that brings a whole slew of negative behaviors as well, and it doesn't have to go that way. Because if you are a confident man and an authentic man, you don't have to dominate because that confidence comes from within. And there are many, many tips in the book that I teach men how to build the confidence.、Uh, confidence is the number one reason why a woman picks a guy. Number one, like. Ninety percent of it is confidence. So my peers who write books about dating, the male peers that write books about dating, they're constantly saying, you know, lie to this one and deceive that one, and here's how to pull this trick. I'm not about that. I'm going to teach you the real way. It doesn't have to do with lying or deceit. You can be your authentic self. But first of all, forget the women. That confidence you have to build it from the inside. So there are very easy uh, uh, tips that you can use in the book. How am I going to build my confidence? Probably the number one way is to have passion. Have passion in one area of your life. That's all I'm asking. It might be. 
playing the guitar, it might be playing cards, it might be, uh, you know, fantasy football, like whatever it is, have one thing that you were really good at, put the time and energy into it, and when you are so confident in that one area, it automatically spills over to women. Mm-hmm. I like that. That's true. You know what? It's funny about what you say about that. It's so very true because um, me being a podcaster now, um, I take I take pride in what I do. I'm very confident in what I do, and um, I think women can sense that. And it's weird because a lot of my interviews are typically with women, and okay. I've even had some of my listeners tell me, you know, you seem so in control when you're, you know when you're doing your show and confident in all those things. So that is key. That's what I'm saying is how you, you, you are. You're not pulling no punches. Now, what could you suggest for men to, to like, uh, stay in that mode or, or feeling? Because to me, it's like a feeling. When I'm in that state of mind so, that you're talking about, to me, it's like a feeling. I feel this way. How can yeah. we keep that feeling? Well, okay, let's say... Let's say his passion is, you know, I don't know, writing or golf or like whatever it is. Maybe he's good with computers, whatever it is. So before you approach the woman, you remember that feeling. You remember that, I don't know, uh, Mr. Black, sometimes maybe you get like something in the pit of your, your stomach or in your heart that when you like really like knocked it out of the park, you get yeah. that really great feeling like you ask that key question and the guys can do that too with their passion. It's like maybe they had that perfect golf swing today. Well, remember that moment. So before you approach her, try to zone in and dial into that moment before you approach her. So that would be a good, good way. And then outside of that, I would say another tip that I teach in my book is practice. Don't yeah. practice with the tens. No, here's what I have them do. I have them talk to ten women a day. Mm-hmm. Now, actually, it works out better if they're women that you don't even care about. Yeah. You're going to talk to the post lady. You're going to talk to the girl at the gas station. You're going to talk to the girl at the market. You're going to talk to, you know, the girl that is at the stoplight. Anyone and everyone, do it as many times as you can per day. And it could just be as something as easy as, boy, this traffic light is really long today or something. I mean, just, it could be anything, okay? Um, and just see if you can get some kind of reaction out of her. Maybe you're only going to get a smile. Maybe you're only going to get her, like, tossing her hair and looking away from you. Whatever. Just keep doing it because you cannot approach a 10 if you have no practice. Mm-hmm. So the, the point of this exercise, talking to 10 women a day, actually make it 20 or 30 or how many ever women you can do per day, um, is so when you have practice doing this 10 times a day, when you do see somebody who's an 8, 9, or 10, you're not stumbling all over yourself. Right. You're getting the words out and you're saying hi, you're smiling, and you're relaxed. Why? you did the practice just like a baseball player he doesn't like get up on the mound and swing and expect it to like happen 
I mean, he's like practicing at spring training for like two months, and then every day he's practicing, you know, four hours here in the morning and four hours there in the afternoon. I mean, come on now. So you can't. You can't expect, oh, there's an 8, 9, or 10 over there. I'm going to walk over, over to her and get it done. No, it doesn't work that way. Come on. Right, I like that. Yeah, with anything you, you put the work in, that's good. And so, yeah, again, like you were saying, that helps with me because not just on a dating perspective, but on a relationship perspective in general because, again, like I was telling you, I work in a, a female-dominated profession, so I need to be able to know how to do these things so that I can maneuver my way to the pinnacle of success in my career. Of course. Yeah, these are these are great tips, and I love it. And I'm going to do that because, again, you know, I see women all the time every day. I'm going to talk to 10 women a day. If I can butter up the right principle, who knows where I'll end up being at. <laughs> so I love it. There we go. Okay, yeah. now I'm back. Okay, so the book is based on uh, the premise that, you know, the age-old question that Freud asked, is it nature or is it nurture? Okay. And I think common, common sense tells most people that it's nurture. It's like how you were raised and how you were brought up and what your environment is. But my research shows that, no, it's, it's nature, uh, that, that our actions and reactions are hardwired, they are hard-coded, and they're inherent in us. So it's not that men don't have these traits. Of course they do. They've just sort of been buried down so deep that I've got to, like, you know, move all the dirt away to find it. But it's in there. It's something that every guy has. So in my belief... And what my, uh, you know, theories have tested out is that we are, we have biological drives that move us to do uh, this action or that action, okay? So I have narrowed all that down by, by doing the, my academic research as well as interviewing the, the, the 20,000 men. Um, I've narrowed it down to four core things that if a guy does these four core things, he can have any woman at any time for any reason. This could be your tonight girl or this could be your forever girl. It's up to the guy's discretion how they want to use these tips. So, uh, yeah, with those four tips, you're going to get this done. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you will melt away all the lying and the deceiving and the confusion and the, you know, I'm afraid of rejecting, you know, you, all that's going to melt away. Because once you have the key that goes into the lock, you're going to say, oh, my God, this is so easy. Why haven't I been doing this before? So it really is easy. And it's stuff that you can do right now. Like you read that page, you could do it right now and get results. That's awesome. Yes, um, that was actually, and see, so I actually wanted to talk to you about that too, was um, like if you could give us like a, a summary of those four principles. Absolutely. Okay, the first principle is confidence. Okay. So women need confidence like they need air. I mean, it's just that important. So you, you hear a lot of men complain you know, why is she going with the bad boy? Why 
why is she going with the guy with all the tats? And why this and why that? Why does she keep going back to the boyfriend that treats her like, you know, S-H-I-T? The reason why is because it seems today that the few men that have confidence are these bad boys. Okay? But that's not to say that you can't develop confidence if you don't have it right now. And that's what the book is about, is, is here's tips that I give you in the book, practice this, practice that, and these tips will build confidence in you. So that's uh, core number one is confidence. So the reason why they're going after that bad boy is because of confidence, because he tells her like it is. He draws that line in the sand, and women like you know, they will melt, they will throw themselves on you because you have that, that aspect, that, that uh, capability. Yeah. Um, core, core number two is to connect with her. So what that means is you look around in the room before you talk to her and you find something in common. So let's say you're, you know, you're at a... You know, you went out after work and you're at this place and they're playing live music. You might say, you know, have you heard this band before? Or, gee, that that cocktail looks interesting. Um, You know, I had a cocktail like that last week. I'm wondering if it's the same one. Or, gee, that beer looks interesting or that wine looks interesting. You know, find something to talk about that you have in common. Because doing that will make her gravitate to you. So let's say, uh, you know, you went out after work and you see that she's wearing a Phillies cap um, or a Phillies t-shirt or something like that. And say, hey, you know, I have uh, my aunt and uncle still live in Philadelphia. And what town are you from? Oh, you're from this town? My, you know, my people are from that town. So finding commonality automatically gives you an instant bond with her. It's the icebreaker, if you will. So you don't have to resort to come on lines if you are finding something in common for real. Yes. So it just it just takes a little, just open your eyes. It's like you, you can talk about a thousand different things. Um, so that's tip number two. Core drive number three is caring. You have to give a rat's ass about her. If you don't, if you don't care about her, then she's not the right girl. So there's no point in pretending with somebody that you don't feel it for. So caring is is the third core drive. Mm-hmm. Any questions so far? <laughs> no, th- no, this is awesome. This is great. You know, um, yeah, you know, just and that's so far that's pretty good. You know, confidence, showing interest and care. Yeah. Now the bad boys. The reason why a good guy is going to win out over the bad guys is, number one, he has confidence, which I'm teaching you to do, so we'll give him that one. But the reason why a good guy will win is because the bad boy um, knows that he needs to do core drive number two and core drive number three. He knows he needs to do it, but he's disingenuous, meaning that he's lying and deceiving that he cares about her. He's yeah. lying and deceiving that he is finding something in common with her. So the reason why you're going to win is because he's doing the lying and you're, you've got it going on for real. Right. So his trip might last for a couple of weeks or a month or two months, but after 
two months, she'll figure out that this guy is not for real, and she'll keep moving. And that brings us to the last core drive, which is character. So you're going to win out because you've got integrity and you're telling the truth. And that's another element that you have that the bad boy doesn't have. Stand by the truth. Yeah. Absolutely. The, the reason why men lie and deceive is because they don't know how to do it for real. That's, that's the only reason. Yes. Because if they knew how to do it for real, come on, they wouldn't have to resort, resort to lying. And the way that I uh, make this parallel is, have you ever run into somebody who is really rich or really smart or really beautiful? They're not running around all day saying, look how pretty I am. They're not running around saying, here's how much I have in my bank account. They're not running around saying, you know, uh, you know, my IQ is this, that, and the other. No, they don't have to say a thing. Why? Because it's already in them. They already know they have it. So that's when character comes in, is because when you have it for real, you're going to stand tall above those guys who are lying and deceiving. It's, not, it's just that simple. Yeah, yeah, that's so awesome. I can feel it. I can just... I can feel my mojo filling up right now. You are so awesome. So my my mojo's filling up. That's good. And so these are things that I've been thinking about. This is good. And uh, yeah, you build up. You so you build it up and you use the truth. Absolutely. Celebrate the truth. I love it. Okay, so now so we can get into um, the the fun part of the uh, interview. So this is I'm just gonna ask you a few questions and we'll see how you answer them. So what is your favorite word? My favorite word? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I say yay a lot. <laughs> y a y. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Just positive off. Yeah, I love winning and I love saying yay. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, those, anything that makes you feel good, those feel-good feelings, right? Yeah. So what would be your least favorite word? You know, I got to this place in my life because, and my both of my parents, unfortunately, were guilty of this. They raised me on the word can't. Uh-huh. You can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do the other because you, you might get hurt, you might get this, you might get rejected. And so... Some people would hear the word can't and they would just go into resignation, like they would agree with their parents. Mm -hmm. So they would be, you know, a victim or, you know, down in the dumps, down in the gutter and sad all day. You know, they would buy into it. So I took the word can't and I said, oh, yeah, just watch me. So, you know, with some of the things, sometimes I like shock myself. You know, I have interactions with, like, perfect strangers, and sometimes I'll just, like, ask for the moon just because. You know, <laughs> and I'm, like, shocked that, that they say yes more often than not. And it has to do with the confidence thing as well. Um, and my mini, my mini book, the business book called The C-Factor, is, is exactly, like, how to do this. How mm -hmm. to ask um, a perfect stranger a favor. And sometimes they're pretty big favors, too, you know? Yes. And it's just, like, amazing how often they say yes. But you're never going to know if they're going to say yes if you never 
technique in that book that tells you how to ask. You know, you and they just people fall over themselves trying to help you out to see if they can do it. It's very cool. So anyway, it. yeah. So that's my word, can't. I was raised on the word can't. So don't let can't, you know, uh, uh, you know, tie you down. And you know, a, a lot of people. You know, you can translate the word can't into, you know, whatever language fits for you. You can say, you know, um, I can't approach that girl because I'm short, or I can't approach that girl because I'm bald, or I'm fat, or my skin color, or my this, or my that, or what kind of job I have, or what kind of car I drive. You know what? None of that matters. None of that matters. I don't even have those subjects in my book because it doesn't matter. It all boils down to whether you think you can because if you think you can it spills over to the girl and that's really you know all all it's about yes yes i love it. see this is good and i'm i'm gonna take all this and suck it up i'm gonna also uh buy that c factor book too because i want to read that one too and get more into the confidence thing yep because that's i feel like that's gonna take me far um, yeah, and I stumbled upon that book researching more on you, so that's good. Thank you. I'd say, okay, so our next question will be, because I can tell also that you have kind of a spirit of, uh, you know, I want to say a business-like uh, almost perspective, because you are promoting yourself and your brand and your book yes. and your website. So if you had one thing that, so say I dropped you off in the middle of nowhere, and you had only one thing that could be essential for your survival, what would that one thing be? Ooh, that's a deep question. Um, let, me, let me touch on what you said just a moment ago. Okay. A lot of my men have written back to me as, re, as a result of the, the core four. I call them DT's core four principles, which were the four that we mentioned. Yeah. The confidence, uh, connect with her, caring, and character. And they do have... For me personally, they do have a business background. Uh, a lot of these things I learned in business. Nobody taught me them. You know, I just stumbled upon them myself. But you can apply these four principles in business to get ahead. So in my personal experience, I was a salesperson. And I was selling a product to the top of the company, to, the, to CEOs. And it's like, oh my gosh, you have like five to five seconds max to like make your point get in get out because otherwise the CEO they have no time for you you know who are you so you have five seconds to like make an impression on them and I what I found out is that I'll probably write this book too but the CEOs have their core drives mm -hmm. they, they have their hot buttons it's not the same ones as the women's but they have theirs. So, like, if you're selling whatever product you're trying to sell or, you know, if it's a personal situation and you're trying to get a raise or a promotion or you're trying to get funding, like if you're a teacher or something like that, you're trying to get funding or a grant, it doesn't matter. It's like whenever you are at one level and you're trying to talk to somebody higher than you to get something from them. So... CEOs have their core drives, and that's and I and I decided, wow, this works so well with CEOs, and I think it's very parallel. The salesman selling to a CEO is very parallel to a man winning over a woman, very parallel. So that's that's what got me thinking. Oh, I better go 
go like find the core drives for women and see if there are core drives for women and what would turn them on and what would what would it take for the guy to win them over mm-hmm. so that's how this book got started so very astute of you to figure that that I did use some business principles to figure that out oh that's cool yeah all right so your island question wow um what would it, what one thing would I take with me on an island to survive? Am I trying to get off the island, or am I on the island permanently? Okay, well, <laughs> let's think of it like this: like um, instead of an island, let's say like you know, in the middle of New York City with nothing, just yeah. the one one essential thing. I would say it's kind of like that old expression: uh, if you've got lemons, turn it into lemonade. Okay. <laughs> So, you know, if your situation has you, like, deserted and you don't have anything, um, you would you would sort of, I would sort of take the approach of what one small thing can I do today that will get me off the island or make my situation a little more comfortable or more bearable or more happy. I mean, even if it's just, like, sitting on the beach and, like, doing nothing for 10 minutes, you know, or... Um, you know, going to the top of the island where I have a really nice view and I can see if there are ships or planes coming or what have you. So you take one thing and you just, like, expand on it and see if you can, you know, it's not going to happen overnight. You might have to take little baby steps, but see if you can take that small thing and expand on it. Yes. This is so awesome. I I just can't believe it. So, uh, you know... One final question for you is, um, let's see, uh, well, no, two final questions for you. What is a um, profession you'd love to try other than what you do? Well, hopefully these books, I I love to speak, and hopefully one day my prayers will be answered and I would love to have a talk show. So that's that's the immediate thing. Um, Outside of that, you know, I don't know. It's like, I, you know, if I could have, like, a wish thing, I'd love to, like, you know, have a bucket list that I could be a backup singer, you know, to someone famous. Another one would be, um, uh, let's see, what was my other one that I wanted to do? Oh, to just be, like, a, you know, the Channel 4 news anchor, you know, for, like, <laughs> one day. You know, yeah. just kind of, like, scratch off the bucket list just to say that, you know, you, you did it, you tried, you went in, you did it. So, yeah. Those are fun things for me. That is good. Well, you know what? I think I'm going to, we'll end it with that question. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to have you really quick go ahead and tell all our audience one more time where we can find you and your books and find you online. Absolutely. Um, You're going to go to Google or Amazon and you're going to type in Mastering Women, Linda. And it should come up right away. Outside of that, um, you can find me on Twitter. And my handle is DT4M. That's short for Dating Tips for Men, the number four, DT4M. And then all the other questions, you can find out, um, you know, where my next talk show is or next event or what's new going on um, is on my website. And that's really easy. It's themensadvocate.com themensadvocate.com and oh by the way if anyone mentions that they've seen me on the Mr. Black show I will give them 15 minutes of free coaching I do one on one life coaching as well 
Oh, that's so, awesome. Yeah, they'll, get, they'll, they'll get 15 free minutes. Did you hear that, listeners? So when you hear this episode, please go hit up Twitter and retweet that. Mention, put it in the interactions, please. And uh, you'll be hooking yourself up with some free service. How about that? There you go. All right. Now, uh, listeners, we love you. We'll be. Uh, don't go anywhere, though. I got a good uh, hot political media for you. And we'll be right back after these messages and music. Peace, namaste, 5000G. Seattle Sound Music Awards Foundation presents Ceasefire, Stop the Violence, Benefit Concert and Fundraiser. Use the hashtag, capital S-E-A, the number two, C-H-I, that's C to Shy, May 25th at 7 p.m. to midnight. Live music, raffle, community sound off, on-site voter registration, and special guest speaker. Columbia City Theater, 4916 Rainier Avenue South, Seattle, Washington, 98118. 21 and up ID required. Join us in the fight against gun violence and violent crimes in our community. For sponsorship, community contributions, and donations, contact SRE Media Group. SRE Media Group at gmail.com. Wake up every Monday morning at 9 a.m. to a fresh cup of justified juice with me, your girl Janane Besa. And I'm your girl Jazzy M. So when you're getting ready for work and you're scrambling them eggs and bacon, make sure you tune in with me and my girl Janane Besa right here on GoJuiceRadio.com. On June 1st at the EMP, there's going to be the Madaraka Festival. This Indiegogo campaign is designed to raise the funding to take that program forward one more year. What we can do is literally change the world.
gentlemen introducing the hottest commentary on topics like politics religion conspiracies and other in your face subject matter this segment is most certainly not appropriate for the easily offended welcome to Politibro.com and the 5 Minutes Away Podcast. Politibro.com. This is Rich W. Politibro.com. We have the exclusive audio of the Adrian Browner outburst. Roll clip. Let's go to Jim Gray. It's your performance here. Um, as you can see, man, you know, I really ain't go through no trouble through that fight. Mm-hmm. Through the whole fight. Since I was training in D.C., they got Deshaun Jackson. I think the Bengals should get Michael Vick. Yeah. That's what I was thinking about. Well, fuck the fight. We won that easy. So you weren't thinking about this fight? Oh, nah, man. We just stayed calm. You know, it was, um, it was a sparring match on TV. What did you learn coming off that loss? Um, it definitely humbled me in some ways. But at the end of the day, I'm still Adrian the problem, Bronner. They can, man. Anybody can get it. Africans, I just beat the fuck out of a Mexican. Oh, no, 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 come on. Come on. Let's show some class and dignity. Come on, you just said you humble a little bit. Is this the right weight? Is this the right weight for you? Excuse my French. But um, this definitely um, the right weight for me. And um, my last weight was the right weight for me. I just did some things. It was just some things I didn't do. What would you like to do next? At the end of the day, I don't make my fights. I'm just a fighter, but I will fight anybody. And I want to fight Pacquiao before he leaves. All right, Adrian, we appreciate your time. We'll see you next time. Thank you. All right, let's go back to you, Mo. All right. This is Rich W. I'm with Marcus Daniels. And uh, we just saw the clip. I know you heard the clip. We heard and saw the clip. Yeah. What do you think, Marcus? 
Man, man, man. My man Buena, his, his mouth is just reckless right about now. I mean, he got the belt. I believe he was excited and, and started, you know, his tongue just started going. And, and he said something like he's going to beat, he, he beat the fuck out of Mexicans. I mean, I don't know what to think about that, but I don't think he's a racist. I just think he was just talking shit, you know. And, hey, boxers do that sometimes. I mean, but... I mean, it could be offensive, but, I mean, prove it in the ring. Now, if he got to fight a Mexican and he end up getting his ass whooped, then I guess the Mexican got the right to say the same thing. Ain't this a bitch. I'm waiting on some action to jump off in here. You heard what Mr. Molly said? We top flight security of the world, Craig. Shit, not just the city, the world. Been jacked by Santa Claus, all kind of shit. They need security in the world, Craig. Shit. One thing, calm down. Slow your roll. Don't let that man pump you up, Daddy, and get your ass shot out here. We ain't no damn top-flight security of the world. We Craig and Daddy. I don't understand this beef right here, but apparently Mike Epps thinks that Kevin Hart is overrated. Now, Mike Epps did an interview, and I guess Kevin Hart caught wind of it. Here is what Epps said that Hart didn't like. One overrated comedian, Kevin Hart. Sometimes marketing can be bigger than talent. This business is not about being funny. This business is about being forced on people. If the business was based on being funny, would none of these suckers be in it? If this business was based on being handsome, would none of them? Everybody that's rich is ugly, from the athletes to the to the actors to all of them. If this business was based on being handsome, I would have a billion dollars. Listen, he may be right with the everybody who's rich is ugly thing. Well, at least for my sake, I hope he's right. All right, well, I'm going to tell you what happened. Well, you Kevin Hart yes, found out about this interview, and he went on Twitter. He said, hey, to Mike Epps, don't wake up this monster pimp. If you want me to be honest, I'm showing you what you should have did when you had your shot at success. Hey. Ooh, kill him. You do clubs and small theaters. I do arenas, man. You do small movies. I do motion pictures and sequels. So go pick a fight with somebody in your league like Chucky Ducky or somebody. No Chucky offense, Ducky. Chucky Ducky. Chucky Ducky. Then he said, why hate when you can congratulate? It's money out here for everybody. If you say something about me, I'm going to say something back. He woke up a monster. Now, Mike Epps is my guy, but he sounds very bitter and disgruntled. I, I think Kevin Hart is very talented, and the truth to the matter is, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work, and nobody works harder than Kevin Hart. Okay, after hearing all that, I mean, they're trying to make it seem like Mike Epps is a hater. I don't personally think so, because me personally, as a in a comic sense, I love Mike Epps way more than I love Kevin Hart. I feel like he was forced on this in Soul Plane, and I was like, who is this guy? Where does this guy come from? How do you, you know? I didn't really think it was all that fun. He's got charisma. He's got talent. Mike Epps, he everything he does is funny to me. You know what I'm saying? He has, he has a lot of roles he's been in. He just makes me laugh. You know, stand-up is off the chain. I'm just a Mike Epps fan. How about you, Marcus? I'm going to have to disagree with you, Rich Duck, because uh, I like Kevin Hart. He's funny. I mean, he talks a good talk. You know, his comedy is just kind of like out there. Uh, I like Mike Epps, too, personally, but to me, he's like a dry comedian. I mean, he got some funny jokes. He do some things that's funny. But I feel what you're saying when you say Kevin Hart was forced on us because he is forced on us. He got this little dude with a big mouth just going around talking shit to everybody, clowning everybody, and he's talking about his own self. He's even clowning himself. You know, it, I mean, he was forced on us. 
I mean, I don't know. I mean, Kevin Hart, I mean, he makes me, I like watching his movies. It makes me happy. I think he's more of a, I don't know, stand-up's good, and, you know, I give him props for that, but I tend to get bored doing his stand-ups. So I'm not even going to lie. Um, the movies, he's great in the movies. He's great in the roles he plays, but I, my evidence is funny. Everything he puts out on the Internet, uh, mocking stuff, his, his mockumentaries, all kind, all that stuff, man. He's been doing it on the street level with the people. He's down with the people. Don't mean just because he ain't doing arenas, he's not funny. He's very funny. Uh, he's just like the people's champ, you know what I'm saying? Everywhere with his cowboy boots on, you know, nationwide tour, you know, Chitlin Circuit, whatever you want to call it. Uh, all the way up, you know, you might catch him on some mainstream stuff. Uh, Kevin Hart's everywhere. I mean, he's obviously got money behind him. I mean, there's no question about that. But you know, I mean, I don't know. Like, what was that? What's that one show you had? The House Husbands. What's that show? Well, House Husbands of Hollywood. Now that was hilarious. It's good. To, it was, was good. It's good to me, and it showed some things. It showed a lot of flex. But it exposed a lot of a lot of the comedians like Mick Cannon and and and. On that, Kevin Hart was just a hater, and he played his role pretty good, too, on that. But uh, I guess the best thing I can say about Mike Epps is Day-Day. He played Day-Day. <laughs> he played Day-Day. He played the hell out of some Day-Day. Yeah, all about the Benjamin's Ice Cube. Yeah. I mean, we reaching back. We reaching, yeah. but, I mean... We're gonna play a little. We're gonna close the show out with a few Mike Epps clips. I'm trying to get some Kevin Hart in there because we, and we're gonna roll out with that. One thing I can say about Kevin Hart is he's starting to say the same jokes over and over and starting to do the same thing. So pretty soon he might be played out. But right now, he's doing his thing. He's getting his money. Getting his money. RichWPolitical.com. Marcus Daniels, MD2020Vision.com. No, I'm okay. I I don't want anything. You can't make me feel better. I'm sorry. Give me some head. I don't understand. You don't understand what? I don't understand how I just feel bad. You could have so much racism in your heart. That I have racism? I love black people. I clothe black people. I fed black people. I've done everything for black people. I don't care what you do with black people. You can, you can go to the park with black people. You can eat a chicken fillet with black people. You can go to the car wash with black people. Just don't put it on Instagram. So what did I do wrong? Bitch, did broadcast. you hear what I just said? I didn't broadcast it. You did broadcast it. You had a black guy. You had a Steve Harvey looking nigga on Instagram. Do you just want me to stay away from black people? I don't. Did I say, I didn't say that I love black people. I Listen, I own the Clippers. Black, the reason why we, I have black guys on the team, black guys play basketball good because they can shoot and they know how to steal. What is it that you want me to do? I and they can run. What do, you, what do you mean what I want you to do? Did you know do? that I'm mixed? Yes, I Did do you know, know that. that. Yes, I know that you're mixed. Do you have any Jewish in you? I'm black, Mexican, and I'm Asian. Yes. I can't. I have black running through my blood. You do have black running through your blood. And one day I'm going to find out if you have a set of balls in your drawers. I don't want you hanging around 
Magic Johnson. I don't want you hanging around Matt Kemp. Don't bring black people to the gang, bitch. Period. I don't bring anybody to the gang. You do. You you brought Nico and Mimi to the gang. They're your cousins. They're not my cousins. I don't know these niggas. How are they my cousins? I don't know them. You brought um, Kanye East to the game. I don't know him. Don't bring black people to my... I don't want them at the game. I don't want them on the plane. I don't want them at the nursing home. I don't want them at Starbucks. I don't want black people... Only place I want black people is jail. They talking about a recession. Niggas don't know nothing about no motherfucking recession. We've been in a recession. White people lose their money and kill everybody in the house. <laughs> Honey, I can't take it. Get the kids. A nigga lose his money and do what? Get sleepy. <laughs> nigga be tired as hell after he lost a bankroll. Man, I'm tired of motherfucker. I'ma sleep this shit off, man. Call a nigga sleep rock and sleep so much. I, I love performing in L.A. because the ladies are beautiful. I go to some cities, there'd be some booger wolves in the audience. They'd be waiting after the show. What you doing after this? Going to bed, bitch. I'm not fucking with you. I ain't got no antibiotics in my bag this weekend. I know you wonder why I'm dressed like this because I didn't get to go to the prom. I was locked up that year, and this is my black Oscar shit. So was this a, a, a typical day for you when, when all this went down? It was a typical day. I was off work. I didn't have to work that day. I was watching WWE, eating some McDonald's, because I'm loving it. The nuggets with the fries, the fries with lots of salt on it, stuff like that. I had it. This and that. I was eating barbecue with them and salsa, and I heard some screams. So I walked up to the house and I seen some little feet. When I first seen the white girl's feet, I was looking at the feet and I, I stood back up. I stood back up. I was looking at the feet. I was looking back down. I stood. I was looking at the feet and I said, "That got to be honey boo boo feet under there, coming out of there." I'm a different type of parent. I am a different type of parent. I'm not gonna lie. Certain things I do differently. I don't like babysitting. I can admit that. I don't like watching my kids by myself. Too much pressure. No man does. No man in this room is a good babysitter. I can tell you how every man in this room watches kids. This, all we do, we sit on the couch and listen for shit. That's how we watch our kids. Kids do whatever they want when they were dead. Hey! Hey! I know y'all not in that toilet. Y'all better not be in that toilet. We ain't gonna do nothing. I definitely don't watch, I definitely don't like watching other people's kids. It's too much pressure. There's nothing worse than watching somebody else's baby and you give them their baby back in a condition that they didn't give their baby in. Like you ever have to explain something to somebody before they see their baby? Hey, real quick before you look at your baby, let me ask you something. Uh, your baby had two eyes for sure, right? Okay, so it happened here. Um, Long story short, gas went off in the kitchen, blew the back of your baby face out. 
It was crazy. My baby knew what to do. He got in the oven. Your baby just stood there. Y'all don't run in your house? Don't nobody run in your house? I'll tell you another fear of mine. Here's another fear of mine. Politipro.com, BlackThinkCrew.com, and the 5 Minutes Away podcast.